Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. Welcome to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. and here with my co-host, D.C. Marshall. And we have another great show, another powerful conversation about abundant living in the real world. Today, we're talking about faith, voting rights, and power. You know, we're in a really unique time right now. We are once again fighting for the right to vote, fighting to protect voting rights, advance voting rights. But we're also growing in faith with everything that we've been through with the pandemic, with the, the changes in our experience with systemic racism and us challenging that. There's a lot of change going on. There's a lot of conflict and battle and crusading, if you will, for the things that in many ways, D, at least a, a person of my generation, thought we won all these battles already. What say you? You know, it's frustrating to be quite honest. And so I'm glad we're having the conversation. I just think um, where we are in this country, we need all hands on deck. I feel like our entire culture, our entire generation, everybody needs to understand how important our voting rights is and what's happening in politics. A lot of people are not paying attention and, and it's so unfortunate. So I'm glad we're having the conversation. I think this is all hands on deck. And you're absolutely right. Never in a million years did we believe that we would be back here. In fact, one of the organizations that I belong to and um, a client is really active in the work. So I'm looking forward to talking um, more about it. Uh, that would be the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. You know, yes. Alfred. Um, and Black Women's Roundtable, Black Women Leaders and Allies. So we are going to talk about it all. Today, we're talking about faith, voting rights, and power. And my co-host, Dee Marshall, I mean, every week I always say we have the best topic for Dee because Dee is really on this. But Dee, you really are on this conversation um, about voting rights, about engagement, and, and as a person of faith, that we need to be engaged in these conversations. But talk about what you see happening, particularly now, as we are back to fighting for something that many of us thought was, was a done deal that we'd already overcome. Talk about, again, the people you're working with, Melanie Campbell. Yep. I'm, I'm just such a big admirer of what you're doing in this space, when obviously you already have a business to run, yeah. girlfriends pray. But this, yeah. this is something you've really been exhibiting a lot of passion around um, over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited that we're talking about it because I think some people want to know and some people just are not um, in the conversation. So when they do hear, they're like, oh, okay, thank you. And I think that's part of having everybody do their part. In other words, or uh, civil rights and social justice organizations, they need to lead in the work and then engage us um, in a lot of ways. And so Melanie Campbell, who's the president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation is one of those leaders. Um, you know, a lot of times when we see civil rights leaders leading um, we'll see the four. We'll see NAACP, Derek Johnson. We'll see Mark Morial with uh, NUL. And then we'll see Reverend Sharpton at National Action Network. But there's always a fourth. Yeah. 
But the reason we don't see the fourth or hear about the fourth organization so much is I think because it's woman-led and Melanie is just a foot soldier. She's a general actually, boots yes. on the ground and she yeah. really is about the work. And, but in terms of just engaging, and let me just say this. So Melanie Campbell and the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, um, you know, civic engagement and social justice is, is her work and the work that they lead. But she also has an arm of NCBCP that is the Black Women's Roundtable. Baddest Black women on the planet are part of Black Women's Roundtable. And how I came to know, um, you know, voting rights and even Alfred to do some of the things that I do now was coming through the Black Women's Roundtable and then just leaning in a little further. So I'm, I'm excited that we get to talk about this, but just to frame this for a second. So my company, Diverse and Engage, you know, we speak three languages. So leadership development, workplace culture, diversity uh, work. Our clients are, we are tier one for probably 90% of our clients are corporate. But I have the privilege of working with Melanie Campbell. She's a client. We advise her on um, corporate diversity and inclusion and those connect points. And so we get to do some work with her that is largely some of the corporate work. So we're like a tier two supplier, you would say. And that is how I was able to lean in uh, a little further and do work in this space and come to learn Last year, um, in fact, in July, Melanie Campbell led, it was historic, many people don't know, but she rallied Black women leaders to protest, to yes. protest yes. For, on behalf of voting rights. And, and it, became, it became a thing. It, it became, you know, uh, Black women leaders. And Melanie has a way of really mobilizing all of the Black women leaders. So not just Black women, but the leaders and from members of Congress. And believe it or not, on July 15th of last year, the first protest, and guess what happens? We go with bail money. That's how Melanie rolls. And with Congresswoman Joyce Beatty. And it was such a powerful moment, but also a movement, and it helps to educate those of us who are just one step back, right, Alfred? We're not directly in the work, but we are very close in proximity. We have ways that we could support Alfred with regard to our platforms, with regard to our access, right? But we're just one level removed. But that's how I have been able to work with Melanie Campbell and then to be on the front lines and in the protest, uh, one part as a member of this, you know, Black Women's Roundtable that our civil rights greats really led, you know, Dr. Dorothy Irene Height founded Black Women's Roundtable. It's some of the baddest Black women on the planet. When I tell you they don't play, they're here to agitate and they are not playing about Black people. They're the gatekeepers of the community. And so I thank you for asking the question. And I'm really grateful for the topic because I do think more of us want to know. And how do we get involved? How do we, what do we need to do? Whether it's writing letters, is it petitioning? Is it, you know, calling our Senator? Is it going to Capitol Hill? Uh, you know, that's why I'm glad for our guest today to break it down a little further, but that's what, what I just wanted to share about this conversation on voting rights, because we are fighting for our voting rights. And when I tell you this is going to be a sad situation, if we don't do something, that is the truth. There's a, there's a couple of things I want to highlight as we bring our guests in. We're talking about engagement on behalf of others, not just ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the leaders who are advocating for voting rights are often people who are, quote unquote, 
they're doing fine if in their own personal business, financial lives. It's about others that they're serving. And to me, that's a Christ-like mindset. It's not as coincidence that the traditional civil rights groups was rooted in the church back in the day when we thought we had won these battles 30, 40 years ago. And so I think it's important as we talk about civic engagement and faith, that those two things go together. And, and I like to say that even when you look at all the national civil rights organizations, Urban League, um, NAACP in particular, which is relevant to our guests, th there's the 30,000 feet organization that's the national organization, but the boots on the ground is the local chapters. That's who's doing the engagement. And, that's right. and that I wanna bring in our guest for this conversation, um, who's head of the Bergen County, New Jersey, NAACP, Jeff Carter. Jeff, welcome to the show and to this conversation. I'm glad to be here with you all. Um, and I look forward to a excellent uh, dialogue and conversation. You know, Jeff, I just mentioned, because I say this with reverence, uh, I'm, I'm a student of Black business history, but Black history in general. Um, of course, I work for the late um, Earl Graves Sr., the founder of Black Enterprise, who was very much engaged in the civil rights movement um, with Dr. King and Coretta Scott King, that he, and he was shaped and molded by that experience. And it's because of that, I really do understand that the work that Dee's talked about, the engagement, the, the getting people on a local level to understand how this relates to them um, happens with the local chapters, happens with the boots on the ground and, and communities all around the country. Talk a bit about your work and why you do it as head of the Bergen NAACP. Well, I kind of grew up in the civil rights movement. My father was an Episcopal priest in Pittsburgh and he was growing up being a black priest in a white church, you were always fighting for justice and freedom. And a lot of things that he did, the Poor People's March came through and stayed in his church. When there were issues with housing, they got the black contractors together. They bought houses. And we're talking the late 60s, early 70s. They bought the houses, had the black contractors build them, and then sold them in the community. So I think one of the things we've gotten away from is self-help in the communities. And, you know, we, we have gotten to a point where we're waiting for other people to do stuff for us. And we need to, you know, do it ourselves. We have a lot of geniuses, a lot of hard workers. And um, I think we've gotten to a point lazy and rely on the government to do things. And uh, the government is only as good as we make it. I think it's very important that we make the point that, I think that it's the point that I think you already touched on. When we're talking about voting rights, when we're talking about um, power, we're talking about things like housing, like education, like access to resources, like transportation, that there's a direct connection to the quality of people's lives, which is why the work that we're doing is so important and why this should matter um, and does matter to people of faith. Jeff, talk to us about the work that you're doing right now um, when we're talking about um, voting rights and, and just the, 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 the needs that you're looking to meet through your organization and through your tradition as a second generation, it sounds like maybe third generation civil rights leader. Well, I think it, you hit on a good point. Everything is interconnected. I look at it like a, a chain. Uh, you have housing. We have education, we have government, 
And a lot of times we elect people who don't stand for us. We go to the polls and, you know, what we're trying to do, and we did a few years ago and are replicating now is at first would go out and we do voter registration. We pat ourselves on the back and we say, oh, we've done voter registration. But uh, the biggest thing is in our schools, civics is not taught anymore. Mm. What is civics? What is the difference between your local school board and your city council, your county government officials, your assembly in New Jersey, they have assemblymen and state senators. They have legislative districts. Most people don't know what legislative district they're in. Um, and on the county level, okay, they used to call them freeholders here, which was basically a slave term. And they changed it to county commissioners a year ago, but they don't know what they do. And a lot of people will come to us and say, oh, I'm gonna call our, our Senator for this, whether state or you know, US Senator, but that's not where they need to be. And you know, one of the things I go around and tell people here in Jersey is that we have a lot of small towns and your school budget is bigger than your town budget. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, I don't have any kids in the school district anymore, so I don't have to worry about it. Yes, you do have to worry about it because they're spending your tax dollars. And if your children, and, and when I say your children, they're all our children um, in the town, whether we've birthed them or whether we know them or not, because there are, uh, the quality of life is based on how well they're educated. And we have seen to let that go. In the old days, if we walked down the street and Mrs. Jones saw you do something and they called your mama guilty as charged and you had to deal with the consequences. Now people are afraid to say anything. They don't want to say anything. That's not my problem. And again, that's that chain link fence where we're all interconnected at the fence, at the boot, arm to arm. And until we get back to that, helping each other, caring for each other, loving each other, and what we see now in the uh, mental health issues, which are causing more of the shootings, is we don't love each other enough. We don't respect each other. We see it in the halls of Congress. If I don't believe in the same thing as you, we can't be in the same room. We can't talk together. We can't even be in the same, you know, city. And that's just foolishness because, you know, God taught us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we don't seem to do that. We keep moving away from that. And until we get back to faith and loving each other, we're always going to have a lot of problems. You know, Jeff and, and D, that foundation of loving our neighbors as ourselves and, and, and that not being just words and feelings, but actions is really underscores for me why this kind of engagement, this conversation among people of faith about our roles in, in this process is so important. And so Dave, what I'm hearing is also, Jeff, and, you know, both of you, I definitely wanna hear your thoughts, is that it's not just about voting registration, it's about civic education. And, and until you just said it, it just, you know, dawned on me like, yeah, I, I had social studies in school, I had history, I, I knew the difference between my Congressman and my Senator and a local representative and the state representative. And, and it, just with a high school diploma, I had a basic understanding of government. That's why I'm fascinated with what Melanie does. You know, I'm a fan of Melanie's uh, and, and this, because it does say civic engagement. engagement. Yep. But, but it, like, I think Jeff makes an excellent point yep, about yeah. we don't, Jeff, we don't he, know what that means anymore. He hit, Jeff, uh, you know, thank you for uh, amplifying. That's the myth. 
Um, in fact, I will tell you, I was so, I won't say I wasn't ashamed, but I'm just like, how could I, how could we be successful, educated folks of a certain age and not have an understanding of how the laws are made and passed and sponsored and such. And I only a few years ago, I'm going to be quite honest, really begin to understand it at a, you know, at, at another level. And so um, I think that's a big miss. And I think that's why it's so disconnected in terms of us and our culture and our understanding about the responsibility to support and to Jeff, to your point about if I live in um, a particular town, if I live in Bergen or, or, you know, in your neighborhood, but I don't have kids, I'm, I'm already disconnected that, you know, I don't need to worry about that. The gap is because I'm uneducated in that area in terms of all of how all of the things work together. So yeah, and I had this experience well, you know what, let me pause there. So Jeff, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for, for raising that up, but how do we fix that? I don't even understand how we fix that now when they're having a whole nother conversation about, uh, you know, what our kids are taught in school. How do you address this? Well, one of the things I said was uh, self-help and we've got away from it. And I'm growing up in a cradle Episcopalian because of my father. We've gotten away from the things that we need to do in the church. And when school doesn't do it, and let's call it out and say what it is, we want to, you know, shy away from things. But I, you know, like to hit the nail right on the head with the hammer. And what what happens is if the school didn't teach it, and we know now we have in Jersey an Amistad law, which is talking about black history, and it was passed 20 years ago, and it's still, it has no teeth and that, but if the school isn't doing it, then our churches, our fraternal organizations, our links, mocha moms, any organization need to be working with our children. And it's a shame because a lot of adults don't know either. And, and that is a huge uh, problem. I was blessed and lucky and went for all the wrong reasons. When I was in high school, they had what they called at the YMCA, a youth in government. So we went down, I grew up in Pittsburgh, we took over the whole, um, in Harrisburg, the whole state government for a weekend and passed bills. And um, they, they had governor, lieutenant governor, um, and all the offices. And so we learned about that in high school. And we need to train our kids what we've started doing, not with civics, but as the pandemic, pre-pandemic, a lot of our kids still don't know how and what their legal rights are with the law. So on Martin Luther King weekend a few years ago, we showed the movie um, 13th by Ava DuVernay. We had a former judge in Teaneck and an attorney um, there. And so after the movie, they asked them questions. And it was amazing how the children were soaking up information and were thirsty and hungry for information. Well, why, why can't it be this way? And well, why can't I talk and say, because if it's truthful, don't argue with the policeman. And, and it was a it was a powerful thing. Unfortunately, the next year it was shut down because of the pandemic. But um, we thought we were going to have a few kids. We had almost 100 people there and we have to keep doing things of that nature to engage our youth, engage. And there were adults there, too. So they learned we have to keep engaging. And, you know, the old saying is each one teach one. And so we need to 
do that in our churches, in our organizations. And if we all had small groups and worked on that, it would be much better. But, you know, getting back to the voting, we are going to work very hard because we understand that and we are nonpartisan with the NAACP. So let me say that right off the boot. But we know that when the party that is in power in midterm elections usually has a bloodbath. So we're going to do everything we can to prevent that by having people learn about what their rights are and vote. All right. And we'll be right back after the break. It's Be Lifted Up. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Funky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. Welcome back to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Dee Marshall and I are talking with Jeff Carter, head of the Bergen, New Jersey, NAACP chapter. Jeff, you made some points in the last segment that really hit me. And I was reminded of the, the freedom schools that was, you know, back with this, um, the, the traditional civil rights movement, if you will. And the, the idea that if the systems that are in place are not teaching um, civic engagement, understanding the system, understanding voting rights, and, and many of the other things that you referenced in the last segment, that that is a role that used to be played largely by our churches in our community and still could be played now by faith leaders and by people of faith in general to, as you said, not only teach the children, but teach one another about those things that both UND have referenced that in many ways, even when we want to change the system, we're trying to change the system that we don't often all the way understand, and we can't leverage a system that you don't understand. So talk a little bit more about what we could be doing as people of faith and what faith organizations in our communities and faith leaders in our communities can be doing to, to, as you said, not just rely on the existing government system, 
that is not always there to serve us, but again, to take some responsibility for getting people engaged, informed, and educated about their own power and responsibility. Well, I think, you know, again, the church has gotten away. Evangelism comes in more than one form. Mm. And evangelism can be in teaching, not only bringing people back to Christ, but um, informing people of what's going on. And it's important because, you know, as this pandemic rages and we've been locked up in our houses, we've switched on our um, part from just being a civil rights organization, which we clearly are. And we've had book bag giveaways last fall. We had, and I have wonderful people working with me. We had basically a carnival in late August, early September, because people had been cocooned in and we had face painting. We had a magician. We had, um, but I always say a party with a purpose. So we had the county there, the hospital doing vaccinations. We had, um, homeless, you know, the county there with the homeless, we had the rental assistance. So we can't forget when we're doing things that we bring in, we brought in all the divine nine and they were there um, represented. We seem to want to do things as individuals and that's in the church, you know, my church versus your church. And we're not in competition with each other where where we should be unified. The same thing with the Greek letter organizations that I'm a member of one. We have gotten away from our mission and forgotten what we are supposed to do because we were here to as educated black men and women to help the community. And we are trying to check a whole lot of boxes and, you know, as I call it uh, for show and lacking a lot of substance. So it's important that we get back to our mission in the churches and that we get out one work with each other. And that's gonna be our plan. We have, as I said, voter registration, voter education, and then we're going to do, if you want to call it down in Georgia, but souls to the polls. This year for the first year, we had early voting in New Jersey, and a lot of people didn't know about that. So we tried to, you know, it, it, we had some kinks, but we tried to get people out early to vote. Don't wait until the last day. Go out and vote. The same thing with vote by mail that was done during the pandemic. And that was a lot of issues because they were throwing people out because of their signature, the NAACP, our state branch sued and won um, because when you vote, it shouldn't be thrown out unless there's uh, some reason that, and we call that voter suppression up here, even though it was not only African-Americans, but it's still voter suppression, but we have to work with each other. That's the key thing gather all our allies, which should be everybody in our community, because when we win, we win together. And when we lose, we lose together. And we can't forget that. But the key thing is we have a lot of church vans sitting around that could be taking people. And that's what we're going to do to the polls. Again, this doggone pandemic, we had a hard time you know, again, in the past, because of social distancing, how we get people there, we don't want to get people sick. But prior to that, we utilized cars, um, we utilized church vans, we utilized any people that had vans to be able to get people uh, to the polls, engage, we need to go to our senior centers, they're, those are the people who vote, make sure that they're engaged, make sure that they know the issues, I'm going to one on Tuesday, to talk with them. A part of being a good leader is listening. And I try to listen to what the people in the community are saying, because they'll tell you 
sometimes we get blah, 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 and don't want to listen to what they say. But if we listen to them, a lot of times in all our small towns, we're having the same issues. So uh, I'm starting my listening campaign. Uh, We've put it together, uh, a voting uh, committee, voting rights, uh, voter education, and uh, Jersey souls to the polls in North Jersey um, to make sure that we get people engaged. And we also are going to go into schools and, you know, try to get the youth groups. We have a youth group that is in schools. Talk about that with our AXO program, you know, make sure that they are engaged. Um, And it's important because a lot of times we leave out the youth and that's why we did the youth program because I found that when we were doing MLK weekend, we were doing all adult things and we were leaving out the kids. Well, I'm not going to be here forever. And we need to, we need to definitely um, engage our kids. So we're going to put a all out push with the organizations. The Greek letter organizations have mentoring programs Mm. and other groups have mentoring programs. And we're going to try to dive into those to make sure that we can get everybody that wants to be engaged, engaged. You know, it strikes me about all the things that you were saying, Jeff, and I'm going back to what it does it mean to really walk the walk of being a, a Christian, what walk the walk of being Christ-like, and it's what we do for the least of these. So it's very easy for those of us who are, I'll say, more franchised D than others. You know, we got the degrees, we have businesses and careers and jobs, and it was said earlier, oh, I don't have kids in the school system anymore, so... I don't really need to care about that anymore. It's very easy for the franchised to dismiss, to walk by. I'm thinking of the Good Samaritan story where, you know, the religious leader and the scribe just walked by the guy who got beaten up and left by the side of the road. And the Samaritan said, I don't have to help this person, but I'm supposed to help this person. And so, yeah, you know, I know you have some strong thoughts about this because of the work that you do, but this idea that that as church folk, as religious folk, we, we're not being Christ-like if we say, we're good, I'm good, my church is good, my community is good, therefore, I don't necessarily need to engage with those who may be outside my community, outside my economic bracket, outside my fraternity, outside you know, my church. That's not really my problem, and that's not Christ-like. Yeah, you know, I, I would just say um, to that, to the church piece, um, what concerns me is that we need an entire new way and approach of even engaging. Because even if you think about the church, Jeff and Alfred, you know, the church has changed and the church in many ways, uh, according to Pew Research, is dying or at risk of dying based on Gen Y checking out, not just Gen Y um, checking, actually it was, yeah, millennials are checking out of church, but also just the new look and feel of what church now looks like. I did an initiative with Sojo and with Dr. Barbara Skinner Williams. It was specifically to engage young pastors. And I created this brand YP 1000 specifically to engage you remember that yes you I pulled pulled you in the church should be the go-to but it's the old church Jeff and Alfred but like do we have that in the new church because the dynamics have changed people have changed well yes and no yes 
but the church has changed. So not quite sure that the current or the new church is how we're gonna get it done. Like, I'm just not sure because everything is virtual. Everything is online. Look, I founded a ministry 10 years ago, Girlfriends Pray. It was virtual back then. So I understand the changing dynamics. I've served a very large church. Um, my mentor, pastor, actually he was a co-host of the show at the beginning, Dr. DeForest uh, B. Sorries, uh, Jeff Carter, I'm sure um, you guys probably- In Somerset. Yep, yeah. yep. That, yeah. So that Central was my Jersey. mentor. Yeah, that was my, my mentor, my pastor, and I worked for the church, but that's a different church then. And by the way, he just retired. But anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Jeff, about when you talk about church, is that the current church or the old church? Or do you really think that there's opportunity still with the existing model or with the, with the new model? Well, and I think existing and new, uh, there are always opportunities a lot of churches are self-absorbed, wrapped up into themselves and yep. worried about what they can do for themselves. And yes, I said that and will continue to say that. There are some pastors who work out in the community. When I go, I try to bring people in and some pastors do, some pastors don't, some pastors will and some pastors won't. But, um, you know, we, uh, we have no time to be tired. I leave the ones behind that don't want to do it. And, and the ones who want to engage and come out and do things, then we work with them. And I think the issue with the church is, and growing up a youth in the church in Pittsburgh, a lot of the people who were young with me have either gone into different denominations, not Episcopal, or don't go to church at all. And I think the reason is the church has failed to meet the needs of today's youth. There's some that do, and there's some that don't. My kids went every Sunday and they, I kind of, you know, they go now, but they're still trying to find themselves. And my oldest is 40. My oldest doesn't want any politics in the church. And I keep telling him that the only way things got done back in the day was because of the church, because that's the only place people could meet and get together without there being an issue. So we just keep working. We have to pray. We have to keep engaging. It's like that hammer and that nail. We just have to keep beating it, beating it, beating it. And then my father always used to have a saying that, Jeff, you'll understand later. So I'm that old Negro spiritual. I'm no ways tired. I keep engaging people, engaging churches, engaging organizations. And, you know, I say it's the moving train. We were blessed to have be branched a year in the state of New Jersey this year. And it's not because of me, but it's because of we. And Malcolm X had a saying, that you know the sickness is I instead of we, and when you uh, a lot of times people have I I I instead of we we we, and you're only as good as a president or in a business as the people that you surround yourselves with, and if you surround yourselves with good people, you're going to grow and come up with new ideas because I don't care how good you are as an individual if you got PhD QD MD. You need people around you and you need a supporting cast. And a lot of times people get in positions and they forget that. So we just have to keep working. We have to keep pushing and keep engaging not only our youth, but adults, because a lot of adults, you know, now we had voting from six in the morning to eight at night. Well, I can't do it. Now there's no excuse. We have early voting. We have how many days we have. You can mail it in. They used to call it. Um, you know, absentee, but it's not absentee. It's vote by mail because you don't have to be away. And I tell people here in my town, Inglewood, 
they had a, a third ward city councilman election and there were five to seven votes that decided the election. And so every vote, if five or seven more people would have said, go out and vote. And it's extraordinarily important that we continue to push people. And a lot of times we get depressed or that I'm not going anywhere. And you just have to keep relying on your faith to, to say, I'm not gonna get tired and I'm gonna keep going and I'm gonna keep going and I'm gonna keep going. And I know it sounds like a broken record, but you know, with the vaccinations, that's the same thing. We just keep doing it. We keep putting sessions on and then it's like a moving train, it went up. And the same thing with engagement. As people see you doing things and people see their friends and stuff starting to catch on, that's how. It's not on TV, it's not on um, you know, TikTok, it's not on Instagram. It is on that, you know, getting out in the community, boots in the ground, people passing by, people helping people. We've done turkey giveaways, we've done book bag giveaways. We've given out almost over a thousand book bags in the last two years. And it's because we have great people around us. I have a tandem of two people who are always coming up with new ideas and, you know, they keep hitting home runs, but the, they're faith-based, number one. And number two, they care about helping people. And that's something you can't teach in a degree, in a person, you can't teach them to care and love and have empathy for people who have fallen on hard times. Um, a lot of times, like the story you were telling, oh, you know, do I have to stop and help this person? Damn right you have to stop and help that person because yeah. your survival and your godliness says that I got to help somebody because you know what? That may have been me if it weren't for a few situations that have gone my way that may have gone the other way. You know, um, Jeff, you, you're saying a word and a half, more than a word. Um, and I'm going to shout out my pastor, um, Andrew Hunt Jr. at Liberty Baptist Church of Chicago. And he literally declared two Sundays ago that if his ministry wasn't going to be about impacting the people outside the church, and he says, I don't mean just coming and preaching to them, but bringing food to them, clothing them, helping them find jobs, engage in those communities, whether they are church members or not, whether they're actually church folk or not. He says, because you can't start having a conversation about why they should vote and why they should do this and why they should do that. If you're not meeting there, you're not even acting like you care about their basic needs. So again, it, it, there's a church model that's turned inward to your point about, you know, what's going on inside these walls and are we all good? And then there's a service model that I would argue is more Christ-like that says, yes, we have a ministry inside the church, but our real work is outside the church. And that kind of work, which is faith-driven work, is necessary to get to the point of you know, voter education, getting people to the polls, getting people to understand why they should vote, and, and also not just wait for the big you know, presidential election, but the local elections, which are actually more directly impacting day-to-day -day life. But, but as people of faith, we can't just disengage and, and think that we're doing the right thing. And D, you know, I'm, I'm a huge admirer of Melanie for that reason. She's always, before she was head of a civil rights organization, she is that person, um, you know, that is faith-based and Christ-like in the ways that, that I think really, really matter. 
No, you're absolutely right. And I just think it takes everybody doing everyone. This is an all hands on deck. And before I got involved, um, you know, I think my bias was this topic, this issue in our communities. That's not what I do. So that was my thought many years ago. Please don't judge me, people. And then when I leaned in closer, I'm like, oh, wait, oh, no, this is this is all of our work. This is all of our responsibility. So um, I think the conversation is so rich. Jeff, um, I, I have such admiration for the work that you do, the work that you lead. We need leaders. In fact, we need you all um, to even inform us in terms of what our posture and position or, or giving us things to think about and process. Uh, we follow, we follow y'all's leads. You know, sometimes uh, it really is about the people who are closer than uh, educating the community about what we need to do. And so thank you so much. Well, Dee, we, ha we had another amazing show that really talked about the role of faith in our everyday life. We had a wonderful guest in Jeff Carter, who is the head of the uh, NAACP chapter in Bergen County, New Jersey. And, and I think we, we really got an understanding that being people of faith does not mean that we are divorced from the challenges of day-to-day -day life, not only for ourselves, but for others. It's, it's another way of loving others as we love ourselves. Kind of the, the number one commandment of Jesus is to love God and to love one another. And that means we can't, as people of faith, just kind of say it has nothing to do with me uh, because we're talking about the quality of life for our fellow man. What say you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So great show. Um, I'm excited that we get to continue the conversation and help educate people so that, you know, our folks can plug in and do what they need to do. So listen, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, this is Be Lifted Up. And you know what? You know that this is a show about faith and finances, and we are grateful to have you join us. We are grateful to have you listen in. We are grateful to have you like and share online, on IG, on Twitter. It's Be Lifted Up. It's letter B, Lifted Up. And please, please, please follow. And by the way, did you know we are on Sirius XM? What channel, Alfred? Sirius XM 141, HUR Voices. And uh, the Mocha. Go tell them about our podcast. The network.com You can find our show. And as Dee already said, on social at B, the letter B, Lifted Up Radio. So definitely check out this show. Tell everybody, all your friends about it. And you can check out other shows in the series. All right. And that's a wrap. We'll see you next time. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. 
more than a destination. The Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.